Good morning. Today we get to read from A Blessing in Disguise by Andrea Joy Cohen. This is entitled, Becoming Your Best Friend. It has taken me many years to catch up with myself, but with much practice, I have learned to live from day to day, not knowing who I will become tomorrow, but living with the confidence that I will love whoever I will become. I look into the mirror with the knowledge that tomorrow I may bloom into someone slightly different from whom I am today. But I see past me, present me, and future me, and I love it all with such a deep passion. I call this section Becoming Your Best Friend because I believe that the love that I have for myself is that of a close companion. This love is the most important affection one can have. Friends may come and go, but this friend will always be there with you. This friend is your best support and best caretaker, your best role model and best motivator. Others can influence, but only you can make it happen. I didn't always have this outlook, though. I'm not exactly sure when this new beginning actually happened, but I do know that there was a large dividing line between one half of my childhood and the other. Thank you. And now help me welcome our own spiritual director, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning and welcome. I'm going to invite you to say a prayer with me, sing a song. If you'd like to stand up and do it together, I like it when we stand and take a stand for who and what we are and plant our feet on this beautiful earth and ground ourselves in its energy. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit In this very room In this very room In this very room So let us know in this moment as we stand together in the consciousness of the one it is the power of the swarm that we come together in. And so this gathering this day would not be the same if you were not here. Each one a brilliant, magnificent expression of the One. 
Let us celebrate our oneness, our connection with that infinite divine presence and power that moves in and through and as all of life, in and through and as us, standing in that union, standing in that knowing, standing, listening, observing, awake and aware and knowing that everything necessary for each and every one of us to realize is bubbles up in our consciousness and our awareness in each moment. If we're ready to listen and see and hear and be available to that experience. And so let us know as we leave 2008 and bless it in all its blessings. Whatever they were, we bless it. We put it down beautifully and wonderfully in its proper place in our memories, in our hearts and move forward into 2009 knowing that wonderful, powerful things await us. That our dreams are waiting for us to come true. So we celebrate that and so much more. I give thanks for the success of our gathering, for the success of each individual life that stands here today, that, that makes up our family and friends, our co-workers and the world. For we truly are one people, one planet. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. And please be seated. Was somebody, who was making popcorn? Was somebody back there making? <laughs> I felt like I was at the movies. Downstairs. Oh, downstairs they're making popcorn. All right, well, let's all head downstairs and get some popcorn. We'll be back here in five minutes. Isn't it amazing how, how sensory uh, triggered we are? I was like, wow, I'm at the movies. <laughs> I went to the movies this week. I saw Doubt and I saw Seven Pounds. Doubt is about doubt and Seven Pounds is about Seven Pounds. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. You've got to go see it yourself. All right, I want to ruin the movie for you. Wonderful movies. So we're at the end of the year. It's our last Sunday together for 2008. And it's been a great year in so many ways. We've seen so many changes. We've seen people that used to walk through that reception line on Sundays and, and uh, shake my hand and say hi and hug people. And, and they've made their transition this year. So we, we still miss them, but they live on in our memories. And we've had wonderful members of our community give birth to new and wonderful life, babies here and there and everywhere sometimes. And uh, so it's just, it, you know, it, it's such a reflection of the cycle of life and, the, and the, the process we're in, the journey that we're in. We've had a number of uh, wonderful books this past year too. We live in such a great time when there's so much great information, so many great wonderful consciousnesses on the planet, teachers. And, you know, we take our good, as Dr. Ernest Holmes used to say, take your good wherever you find it and leave the rest behind. And so it's just been a wonderful, wonderful year of, of learning and growing. We started out the year, as if you remember, if you were here in, in January of last year, we started out with a prayer chest. And that's our prayer chest that uh, we started out with. It is now holding Christmas ornaments. So it has dual purpose. I believe the prayers are still there in there on the bottom, covered. I looked in there. There's a tapestry under there. I didn't want to unload the whole thing. I didn't know where to put it. And our prayers are, are lovingly there. But the prayer chest was really inspired by a book by August Gold, a wonderful minister in New York City. She's uh, been referenced as Bette Mittler does religious science, and I think that's as good a description of August as I've ever heard. She's just an amazing consciousness, an amazing uh, woman. And she wrote this book, The Prayer Chest, about a, a family living on Long Island and uh, as, as farm, they were farming, and, and it's their story. And there's secrets in The Prayer Chest. If you remember, does anybody recall the secrets of The Prayer Chest? Anybody rattle them off? Okay. I see John nod. John, you want to tell us what they were? No? No, John's shaking his head this way. Anyway, prayer, the prayer chest, there were three secrets. First secret is prayer is answered through us. So the reason that we're here, the reason that we, you and I and everyone on this planet has incarnated is that prayer, the infinite, the divine, is seeking an outlet, an expression. 
and it's answered through us. Yeah, the second secret was that prayer is answered when we listen, paying attention. So that's why meditation can be so valuable and so important in our lives, is that when we listen, when we're paying attention, the conversation, we're always being informed. There's a, we're always, there's a conversation that's constantly going on. Our task or our opportunity is to, to listen to it, pay attention. Sometimes it comes, many times we get the same message over and over again until finally we get it. Say, okay, I got it now. Yeah, now I know. You know, don't call so-and-so back ever again, or at least not in the next 25 years, whatever it may be. But, you know, many times it takes us the repetition for us to figure things out, and then we can make a new decision and a more, and a more interesting decision. And the third secret of the prayer chest was that prayer is answered when we say yes to everything. That if we've set an intention, if we're here, we're here now and things are showing up in our lives, to say yes to it, despite what it may look like at times doesn't mean we settle for anything, but we continue to, to welcome it into our experience and look at it and find the value in it. If it's something we keep, we keep. If it's something we put down, we put it down. There's a Buddhist teaching story. The Buddha comes to a river one day, and it's no way across it. So he spends time, and he, he builds his own raft. He finds the twigs and the branches and the, and the, the, uh, the necessary materials to construct this raft to get across the river. And finally he's got enough together and he gets across and he gets to the other side he picks the raft up and he starts walking down the path and after a while he realizes he doesn't smell any more water and the raft isn't necessary anymore and so he puts the raft down and he blesses it and gives it thanks for what it did for him and brought him across the river beautifully but knows its purpose is no longer required or its service is no longer required and he lights the raft on fire and the Buddha says, in the story, it talks about, he's asked, well, why wouldn't you just give the raft, why, why wouldn't you just leave it at the river for other people to use? And he said, well, part of the teaching is that we all must, we all must construct our own raft. So our raft is consciousness. Our raft, the, the raft that each and every one of us has is consciousness. And so you can't do the work that's required for me to do, and I can't do it for you but we can support one another in our conversation and in our consciousness and in our knowing and seeing the best in one another. And that's very powerful. The people that have mentored me in my life, I'm, I'm very blessed. I come from a very large family, 11 children. And I look at their lives and how they've unfolded. And we had a wonderful discussion the other night about how people come into our lives at certain times and they mentor us, and they coach us, they, they present new ideas to us and you never know when those ideas take hold. You never know when one of those great ideas takes hold and all of a sudden your life goes in a completely different direction. And if, if we're to look at you know, environment, early environment, my brothers and sisters' lives look completely different than my life. And it's not to value it in good or bad, right or wrong. It's just completely different. And I realize that there have been people that have come along in my life at the moments when I was open and receptive, when I was listening and saying yes, that have influenced me in ways that might be, who knows what I'd be doing. Probably still be working at the circus. <laughs> Something like that. So we moved from the prayer chest, which is a wonderful way. If you remember, we gave away 350 books last year. We ordered them, and we had a stack here, and we invited all our members to please take a book, read it, and when you're done with it, pass it on to somebody else. It's a wonderful story. So stories are so great. I mean, we love our stories. Because stories give us something to hang our, our thinking on, you know, those wonderful stories. So the prayer chest was a wonderful story. And hopefully if you have it or if you've passed it on, you know that it's found the right, right hands to read it. And we have a new book coming, and we, we wanted to give it away this week, but, you know, the 
The dog sled hasn't arrived from the 49th parallel yet, so it'll be here soon. Mail goes a little slower in Canada, we've discovered, Laura and I, since we've been here. But it will be, it's on its way. And so we have copies coming, so if you join us in January, and, and uh, we're, it's our gift to you for the year. It's called The Dynamic Laws of Prayer by Catherine Ponder. She's an amazing woman. We just finished up her Dynamic Laws of Prosperity last month. So we went, but we moved from the prayer chest and we went into a new earth with uh, Eckhart Tolle. She was on, he was on Oprah, she was on Oprah, she, Oprah was on Oprah and Eckhart was on there with her. And it was amazing because that idea, the ideas that we stand for and with were shared with millions of people in ways that we could, you know, I could stand here till the cows come home and not touch as many lives as Oprah did in those short periods of time with the mass media. And Eckhart's book is really about discovering your life's purpose. Isn't that a great idea? Discover our life's purpose. And we all think that's one thing. And as Eckhart talks about it in the book, it's wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we are that opportunity for that divine expression from that source of all life that is seeking expression, as I said a moment ago, for, our, for the benefit of ourselves and the benefit of others. That's it. You know, whether we're making breakfast, we're delivering the newspapers, we're curing incurable diseases, whatever it may be, the magnitude of how we measure that on our own thinking. Without that connection to that divine flow of life, there's something missing. And so Eckhart's book is quite profound and quite wonderful, but teaching, actually that book was published in 2005. <coughs> Excuse me, I grab some. That book was <clears throat> published in 2005, and it didn't become, didn't capture the, the cultural conditioning or the race consciousness, is another word for cultural conditioning, the, the consciousness of the planet until 2007. They, I remember going into bookstores in 2005 and looking at that book, and they were selling it for $3 a book, trying to get rid of it. So it's just interesting, when we're ready, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Quite fascinating. So we moved from this idea of, of the prayer chest to the, um, the New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And we moved into, I got my notes right here today, Mastering Life's Energies. Good thing we didn't do 12. I'd have to have them on both hands. But we moved to Mastering Life's Energies. And Maria Nemeth is an amazing consciousness. She's an, she has the Academy for Coaching Excellence in Sacramento, California. Amazing woman. I have gone and, and studied with her. And Maria talks about this idea of marrying the metaphysical with the physical. That the metaphysical is a wonderful idea. To have the dreams and the visions and to have the things that, that inspire us and lead us to a, a new goal, a new destination, a new possibility, it's all wonderful, great stuff to have. But unless we marry that with some tangible, measurable reality uh, things in, our, in this time-space continuum, it's meaningless. Dr. Holmes used to say that realization without application was hallucination. And so it's important for us to attach that idea, that dream, that vision to a tangible outcome. And on the other hand, if all we are is driven, we, we see this many times in the world. It's this idea, if I work harder and I work harder and I work harder, I'll have bigger results. And it's not connected to the vision. It's just work. It's a boondoggle. A boondoggle is just activity for the sake of activity. So if we're in a driven behavior and we just continue to follow that and follow that and we show up and then our lives as we get up every morning is just a list of to-do things. Here's my list of 20 things I must get done today. And, it's our, and our behavior becomes driven. So we need to be pulled by the vision 
and to attach the, the tangibles of our life with that. Just like writing a song. It, it, you know, Stephen King, I'm reading his book right now on writing, and he said that his son at one point in time fell in love with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And he particularly fell in love with the, uh, I forget the, the saxophone player, Clemens, can't think of it. Clarence Clemens? Fell in love with this guy, wanted to be Clarence Clemens, and he thought, this is great. You know, he and his wife were talking, this is fantastic, we're going to finally have an artist, a great artist in the family, and he wants to study the, clarinet, uh, the uh, saxophone, and so they bought him the saxophone, and they hooked him up with the best saxophone teacher in the area, and he said he knew after like two months it wasn't going to happen, because the only time that his son played the saxophone was a half hour he was required to practice each day. He just never connected with the joy of it, the celebration. He said you could watch the behavior. And finally he went over to his son and said, you know, it's okay if you don't study saxophone anymore because, you know, the guilt of mom and dad bought me the saxophone. And In fact, Laura, uh, Laura and I got Davis a saxophone one time and <clears throat> there were two happiest days of our lives today. We gave it to him the day he decided he wasn't going to play it anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. But, but the point being, for all of us, how we, how we measure our enthusiasm, our passion, when we, we take our, uh, ourselves to these new endeavors. So mastering life's energies is mirroring the two together. We can't stay in the, in the metaphysical too longer at metaphysicals, just ideas. It becomes hallucinations. And if, we, and if our behavior is just driven about more work, more work, more work, then we are so out of whack and out of balance, it's just the driven behavior. And so we moved through those three books, then we, we came upon The Alchemist. And The Alchemist is a wonderful story. It's a wonderful teaching story with so many great pieces in that. Santiago, the young shepherd boy, and he's in Spain, and he, he has this recurring dream. Talk about listening. You know, do you have those recurring dreams that, that you listen to, that you find, what, what am I being called to here? What is the dream? And so he finds someone that can interpret his dream, and he meets this wonderful mentor, this, this sort of wizard that's, that's sort of elusive, but has all this wonderful wisdom. You know, what a great to be teachable and open and to be present and, and to begin the search. And so he travels all the way to the Great Pyramids looking for his treasure. And he grows so much in that whole process of learning himself and trusting himself and developing the spiritual and emotional and physical muscle to carry himself on the journey which is all what we, we all must, must do. And then at the, at the end of the journey, he realizes what he was looking for, the treasure that he was seeking. He had been sleeping upon as a shepherd boy his whole life underneath this church that was in, was in a, a certain form of uh, deterioration. And he slept under this tree. But it's fascinating because without taking the journey, even though the treasure is where he started from, without taking the journey, without developing the skills and the insight and the awareness and the confidence and the trust in himself to trust his intuition, to trust that conversation that's going on. Because it's not easy. What is, what is intuition and what is that egoic mind that is sometimes pushing us in directions because that's the ego's job, keep us alive. What is that and how do we learn that? And so Santiago's story is all about that. And without the journey, without developing those skills, that really is his treasure. The treasure is tangible, but what are great riches? I think it says it in Matthew. What, what, is it, what good does it do to gain the whole world and lose your soul? And so it is really that journey of developing and growing and building our own raft, our own consciousness. And so we moved from Santiago. We went to Eric Butterworth, Dr. Eric Butterworth, born in Manitoba, a wonderful teacher, ended up in New York City, had, had amazing uh, impact in lives. Unity minister, fantastic, prolific writer. The universe is calling. 
And once again, it's about this conversation. It's about listening. And it's about embodying and becoming, as Gandhi said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. And so embodying the consciousness. That's why our work is so important, and it's day to day. In um, Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliners, it talks about mastering any proficiency. It requires 10,000 hours. No matter who you are, what you are, what what a genius you are. It talks about the, the Beatles when they went to Germany. And they were required to play eight-hour sets in basically strip clubs. And they loved it. They weren't hardly making any money. But it, they were young and they were passionate about their music. And they had to play for hours and hours and hours. And, and it turned them into the band that has transformed the world in so many ways. But they had to be marinated in that. They had to, be, they had to step into the fire and, and develop those skills. So those 10,000 hours... And so spiritual practice, we, we read about these amazing avatars, these amazing thinkers, the Jesus of Nazareth, the Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, all of these individuals, they've, they put their 10,000 hours in. We take a science of mind class, we spend about 24 hours in a science of mind class. Put our little, the, little, the smallest little corner of our little toe in, right there. And yet we think, hey, yeah, I've got, I've got it now. I took the f- four years of classwork and I am now a master of time, space, and dimension. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe there's more work. Maybe this is just the beginning. Maybe that's just getting off the, the starting blocks. So I, it, it, but it's fascinating. Isn't it wonderful? As I said earlier, we live in a time when we have so many people's experience to draw upon. We're not, we don't have to figure it all out for ourselves. Stephen King says if you want to write successfully... Uh, you should spend four to six hours every day writing and reading. Reading something and writing something. I told Laura I'm going to have to quit my job. Because <laughs> I read a lot. Well, I don't think I read four to six hours every day. But that's what requires. Four hours a day for ten years gives you your 10,000 hours. So whatever you want to be. And you have the passion for it. You know, if you find out you want to be uh, a world-class skull roarer, and you buy yourself a skull, and you wait till the river thaws sometime in the middle of July for a couple of weeks and you go down there and you practice and all of a sudden you're realizing you're only practicing when your coach says you have to practice maybe sculling isn't your passion maybe it's just a fantasy but that's how we figure those things out that that's how we identify our gifts and where we can develop those gifts and where we can share those gifts in the universe as Dr. Butterworth talked about is calling and so the prayer the most effective prayer is becoming the prayer praying from the consciousness of the one Backing up to Eckhart, Eckhart says in the New Earth that you can't get anything you want. So forget about wanting stuff. can't get it. You can only get what you already have. You can only get what you already have. So how do you get what you want if you don't have it already? Hmm. It's really about embodying the consciousness. It's really about the shift and change in consciousness, and that's why consciousness is so important. Because without the shift in consciousness... There's nothing for the outcome to attach itself. You see many times, you'll see many times people will win the, the lottery. They'll win a whole whack of money. And they won't be able to hold it because the consciousness isn't there. We live in the law of probability. Dr. Ernest Holmes said, we live in the, when you, once you start to live consciously, you step out of the law of probability. You no longer live your, your life randomly. You live your life intentionally and purposefully. But until you do that, until you're aware that you play a part in it. Now, we don't, none of us control the entire universe, nor would we want to. I certainly wouldn't, because the idea is the way I think it should work. Many times, it, it turns out so much better than what I think. 
But I trust the process, and I, I'm, I'm clearer now than ever before about what my part is to play. Do I have it figured out completely? Of course not. That's the beauty of life. Don't you love the reading? I can't wait to see who I'm going to be tomorrow, who I will grow into tomorrow, to live in that anticipation and expectancy, and to, to listen, to know that something is happening through us and for us, that life is here conspiring for our greater good, and that everything, we continue to say yes to everything, when, despite what it looks like, but we're living consciously. We step out of that law of probability. But we must pray from the consciousness of the thing. I am the consciousness of divine prosperity. Everything that I encounter prospers me or another in some great and wonderful way. I mean, there's a beautiful affirmation. Everywhere I go, I am blessed. The blessings of this life, the blessings of transportation to carry me here, the blessings of ears to hear the music that we, we play, the blessings of, of being able to touch one another and hug and shake hands and laugh and smile and greet the God presence in another. All those things are blessings. And they're so simple. They're just so simple things, but we sometimes think it has to be harder or more complicated. It requires diligence. It requires the 10,000 hours, but those 10,000 hours are what we're doing anyway. We're doing 10,000 hours anyway, aren't we? I'm planning on doing it. I used to tell people I have enough money to live the rest of my life as long as I'm dead by Wednesday at 3 o'clock. <laughs> but I'm planning much longer to, to be around. I could probably make it a Friday now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and then we, we finished up the year with, I got my notes right here, as I said, with the Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, Catherine Ponder. And Catherine Ponder is an amazing woman. This is an incredible consciousness. Her life is a prayer. This is a single mom right after the the Second World War that went and became a minister and developed these wonderful centers of consciousness on the planet and it became a prolific writer. And her story, and she supports all of the pil pillars that we stand upon, celebration, circulation, education, service, meditation, and affirmative prayer. Those are our six pillars. We celebrate all of those and we support one another in that. It's important for us to celebrate life, to come together. This is a celebration. It's important for us to circulate our good. To, to become such, you know, we have a huge vision for our, our community here. Is it, is it manifesting? It, each year it continues to unfold and, and reveal itself in larger and larger ways. And it's exciting. It's fun to be part of it. But if you get so fixated on what it has to look like at the end, you miss all the great stuff in the middle. And if you're missing all the great stuff in the middle, you're never going to get to that destination. So you have to celebrate and, and honor and cherish all of the great things that happen. Each song that gets sung, the hours, I was watching, Corinne comes in, the musicians get together, in 15 minutes they've got this thing orchestrated and, and, and in ways and, and up there supporting her. It was fascinating to watch. But I know these musicians, I know not one of them, except Greg. Greg walked in this morning and picked up the instruments for the first time. Greg just makes noise back there in the corner. Right? He actually told me it's percussion, so I know what it is now. Good, he's smiling and laughing. That's good. But I mean, you know, it, it's, taken those, the, it's taken those hours. I asked Brown one day, I said, you think you got 10,000 hours in? He says, not quite, working on it. But you know what, he's got a lot more hours than most of us. He's got probably whatever he's got, more than me. Yeah. But that is our journey. And part of it is his passion. So when, the things that he wants to see and the things he wants to express. So whatever your year was like, you know, the economy is doing certain things right now. But you know what? The, the economy is always going to do certain things. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing out there. It matters what the economy is doing right here. It doesn't matter who's in the White House or the Parliament. It matters who's in your house. 
And for us in this year to move forward, we need a bigger idea of the infinite. We need a bigger idea of the possibility of the beloved, of the divine. What's the biggest idea that you can embody in this moment? Because really that will, that will propel you forward. That will create the opportunities and the momentum and the passion so that you can walk through a new door, so that you can put some things down, just like Buddha and the raft. If you're across the river and you're carrying something that no longer needs to be carried, it's okay to put it down and then to burn it so that you know and honor others and know that they will build their own raft in their own time and their own way with their own materials so that they can make their crossing as well. The Buddha said it's very important to not put something down unless it's appropriate to put it down because there's things that are precious to us that we may still need in our lives because there may be more knowing there. So we don't want to simply discard things just simply because we think we're done with them, but in our heart of hearts to know, are we done with this? Are we ready to step through the, the new doorway? Because many times we make the affirmation, we make the declaration, we say, yeah, I'm, I'm heading in this direction, and then a half hour into it, we're reaching back to pick it up again because it's familiar. There's nothing wrong with doing that. If you're reaching back to pick it up again, probably some value left in it for you. And if not, let it go. Let it go. So it's, it's an exciting time to be alive, isn't it? We have so much available to us, all of us. I mean, the, the prosperity that we live in, the opportunities to think and to choose and to be where we choose to be, to pursue, the freedoms to pursue. To, to, there, are, there are countries on this planet that people don't have these freedoms. It's a blessing. <clears throat> and we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't be standing on the precipice of these opportunities if that dream and that longing was not appropriate for us to have. So don't doubt that for a second. You are beautiful and magnificent, far more powerful and far more supported than you can even imagine. The reason that we've come together and incarnated is that so you and I can be that place where the divine expression seeks appearance. And we are that. And so it is. Blessings. Blessings. <clears throat>